What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. Yo. What's up, family? What's going on, Adrian? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. I can't complain, man. I hear you, bro. I hear you. Bro, I'm over here setting up lights, going crazy, trying to make sure I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. But yeah, definitely definitely excited, bro. Definitely hoping to add some value, man, and, and get some dope conversation going tonight, for sure. Facts, man. Facts. Tell me, where you from, man? Yeah, man, I'm from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay, okay, okay. Is is that where you are now, or or are you somewhere else? No, I'm I'm here in Columbus. Yeah, man, okay. I left. I've been here. I've been in Ohio my whole life, man. So okay, you know how how about you? Uh, so I'm originally from Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, okay. but I currently live in Winston Salem, North Carolina. So, oh, okay, okay, no, yeah. that's where the college is, isn't it? Yeah, Winston Salem State. That's where I graduated in 2015. Dope, and dope. uh that's actually where I met my wife. And so I've been in Winston ever since, man. Dope, man. You like it, you yeah. like it better? Um, yeah, it's straight, man. Like it, it's it's not too different from Raleigh. You know, only thing is Raleigh's a little bigger and it's probably got a little more like like the downtown area is really popping. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? For people who like to go out and do stuff. Winston Salem's more calm and and me, I'm a pretty laid back guy, so you know it definitely works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I heard a lot of great things about uh, North Carolina, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the, one of the one of the best cities, man, to go to is definitely Charlotte. It's the biggest city. Um, it's 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 really an attractive place. Like I said, Raleigh is an attractive place, and definitely Greensboro. Those are those are great spots. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, man, we had our trucking company. Man, we're not in trucking no more. Uh, but we used to send them down to uh, Greensboro and uh, and Charlotte. Man, he was going there about twice. Well, at least once a week. Twice a week, we had good loads going down there. So okay. I, so yeah, I, I never got the chance to go down there with him. Yeah. We going there. We we was getting some good money going down there. <laughs> for sure. For sure, man. All right, man. Shoot, let's uh let's get this conversation. Well, we already got it going. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I see recording. Yeah. I was like, oh, is it record? Record? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Hey, hey. You know, we just keeping it natural. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But yeah, man. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Black Wolf Media Podcast. Another edition. I have Adrian McGee. Um, he is the co-founder of Arthur McGee, and he was able to retire at 29 and uh, become a business consultant. Um, and introduce yourself and tell the crowd a little bit about who you are. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So, yeah, man, my, my name is Adrian McGee here from Columbus, Ohio, as, as we mentioned. And um, co-founder of Arter McGee, a virtual staffing agency. We currently have, we're approaching around 50 virtual assistants that we um, currently have on our team. Um in addition to that, I'm also the owner of Systems Acceleration, which is a um, pretty much a consulting firm slash digital agency. And essentially, we help 
small businesses scale, um, leveraging automation and, and average and Facebook advertisements and systems, man. So it's been pretty dope, man. I, um, as you mentioned, I was in corporate for, for quite some time. I was in corporate for about eight years, man, and, and was really on an accelerated path in corporate, but decided to go all in, uh, just in December, you know, in December yeah. of last year. And you know, it's been up since, man. It's it's been a grind, but it's definitely worth it, and and it's been a dope journey. Definitely, definitely. Um, so so tell me, man, like, what did you do while you were in corporate? Yeah, man. So when I was in corporate, so my background is actually in accounting. You know, my um, my undergrad was in accounting, and I got my master's in business. And so, essentially, man, I started off in corporate, kind of with a finance slash accounting type of role then um, quickly transition to more kind of continuous improvement type of work and so what essentially was able to um make some good adjustments in corporate and take on roles of more so like project management uh, consulting work and we would essentially go into departments and clean them out man um pretty much go and help them standardize processes identify areas of improvement and you know that 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 work in corporate actually transitioned very easily into entrepreneurship and i was leveraging those same skill sets from corporate for small businesses and that's where i really realized my potential as as an entrepreneur when i started leveraging those skill sets got you now when you say processes for for people who don't know what do you mean by that yeah man everything we do is a process you know like i always say it's like when we talk about systems in general you know like everything is a process it's just the way that we do things right so like step by step you know we start off uh step one we we like we think about this like all right here's a good example um I got some tea. My, my, my girl just made some tea for me because my throat gets a little clogged up. So I wanted to make sure we was good. So, yeah. so it's a step, right? She grabbed a cup. She put water in it. Um, or she, she grabbed a, uh, you know, a pan or whatever, boiled the water, poured it in the cup, and then put the tea bag in, let it sit for five minutes and all that good stuff, right? Gotcha. And so when you think about like process improvement, let's say that she would have grabbed uh a pan that wasn't too good and put too much water in it. So she was wasting water cause she used the wrong pan and maybe she used a cup that was a glass cup. So it was too hot for me to use it. So it wasn't too useful for me. And so when we think about process improvement, it's essentially taking the current state process and what are the ways that we can one make, make the quality better so that it's more useful for the people involved. And then two, how can we make it quicker? How can we get it done faster? Um, that's that's a uh, I, I guess that's a good way of explaining like process and, and process improvement. <laughs> definitely, definitely, man. So like, is processes is, is that like the same thing as systems or is there is there a difference? Man, that's a good question, man. And if you ask most people, like they probably wouldn't even put it together because a lot of people think of systems and they think of technology and they think like, oh, this is the technology tool, this is the system that's being utilized. But system is is essentially the way that we do things. It's, it's a process. Everything that we do is yeah. a system. And I always say the difference between a good a good business and a bad business is that like that both of the business has systems. There's systems everywhere, but one business has really good systems while the other one has bad systems. Yeah. Um, so, so to answer your question, they they are essentially the same thing. Gotcha. Okay. Now, what would make a company, you know, what would make like a bad business 
um, what like if they is it is it if they don't have like a great system in place, mm-hmm. is that what makes like a bad business? Yeah, man. So and you know what? Let me go back. Let me go back to my corporate side because essentially systems are actually going to be process, people, and technology. So I okay. apologize for the incorrect oh, uh, definition there. This is a part of a system. And so when you think about a lot of businesses, man, think about like like this podcast, right? Like you you have a, a pretty good system, right? So, yeah. you know, you have the technology, you have the, like your email was obviously a system, right? I can tell that that was something that you sent many times. Um, and so what makes your system, when you think about it a little better than other podcasting systems, is that like instead of like retyping that email every single time you send it, you have a template and you probably make a few changes and send it out. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Now, can you make it better? You know, and and probably absolutely. Right. If you were sending like meeting reminders, like if there was automations getting kicked off to send me, you know, a week before 24 hours before and five minutes before, you know, could you probably leverage automation and leverage like a custom field so that the emails are automatically populated when you do it? Absolutely. Right. And so, that's not necessarily a bad system. So when you look at your systems, they're actually, they're good. They're better than a lot. Cause I've been on a lot of podcasts and some people just, you know, hit you up like right before I, I, I had a podcast. I need to get back to it. And I could tell you, man, my systems were, were, were kind of bad <laughs> with yeah. the podcast. Um, so yeah, man, a lot of new entrepreneurs, like new businesses, when you think about it, we all start off with like no systems. We just, we're just doing it ugly. Right, um, which is right. how it should be. But in order for us to scale, and be able to get the best use of our time as an entrepreneur and as a CEO, it's really important to get systems in place so that the business can operate kind of without your presence. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, um, let's kind of transition a little bit. I want to talk about um, Arter McGee. Now, Mm -hmm. um, when you guys started that, you know, what was the idea behind that? Man, it's so funny, man. It's, It's so funny. Like, we actually... It's funny, man. My business partner, he started off in credit repair. And so we connected with someone at an event, man. This is the power of events and like masterminds and just being in the right rooms. Um, because the guy told him like, man, I got a credit repair business. And he's like, I don't do anything. He's like, my virtual assistant handles all of it. So my business partner was like, oh, I got to do that. So we had a trucking company at the time. So he went and said, all right, like, let's get a virtual assistant. He's like, hey, I'll pay for you know, half of it myself, like just for my business. And then, you know, we could deduct it from trucking. So I'm like, cool, that's, that's cool. So we get the virtual assistant, man. And we kind of went through it, getting, getting the virtual assistant. It's just a big headache um, because, you know, just like hiring anybody. Yeah. Um, and so, man, we get the virtual assistant and like, this dude is just like hogging the virtual assistant. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I can't even use her for trucking because you got her doing everything for your business. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm hiring my own. You know, yeah. so we asked her, like, hey, do you have anyone? She hires like two of her friends on, and now we have three virtual assistants. And so, um, you know, we got the virtual assistants helping, man. They're helping generate revenue for our individual businesses as well as helping with trucking. And um, essentially, man, our friends started asking, like, hey, can you guys outsource me a virtual assistant? And we're like, I mean, we don't really want to, but like, sure. And we kind of put it off. But then we kept thinking, like, it would be cool to, like, outsource virtual assistants, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, it's a big need. We struggled to find our virtual assistant. We now know how to easily find virtual assistants now that we've kind of went through the storm and learned what we learned. So then, man, it's just like we outsourced one person that forced us to do it. Another friend said they needed one. Then before you know it, man, we're like, shoot, we're at like almost 50 now, which is insane. This was, dude, we started the virtual assistant. We got our first virtual assistant in like November of last year. Um, okay. Okay. And I feel like just two or three months ago, bro, we were at like 20 virtual assistants. So in the past like two months, we've like more than doubled our, our staffing and it's been a, a dope journey, man. It, it really comes down to like, just like with anything in entrepreneurship, like you solve a problem for yourself. Um, and then you realize that like, Hey, other people are dealing with similar problems. We already know how to solve it. So let's like establish a business to help people with these problems. And Ever since then, man, it's just been it's just kind of going crazy ever since. Yeah. Now, that's solid, man. It sounds like you guys were able to scale pretty fast. Um, Too fast. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my next question, man, is like, um, what was it like financially for the business? Did you guys see like a benefit when you first when you got like your first uh, virtual assistant? Man. So like this is what I tell people, man, it's, it's not necessarily the investment into the virtual assistant. I'm being very intentional with saying investment. Yeah. Um, because a lot of business owners, they, they say costs and it's like, no, it's an investment. And it really comes down to the value that you put in your time. Yeah. And so if you think about it as a business owner, like if we really commit to growing our business, right. And we commit an hour to growing our business, I know I can personally probably generate anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars an hour, you know, on average. Yeah. Um, so if I'm doing activity that I can outsource to a virtual assistant that's costing me anywhere from four to five dollars per hour, um, I'm essentially wasting a huge amount of money in my business. And so we immediately seen results from hiring virtual assistants because we immediately were able to get our time back and do more important activity in the business than worrying about small things like scheduling meetings and sending emails or like any tedious task, you know, like we don't have any business doing that as an entrepreneur. And so I always say the first step is to hire. I actually would prefer to hire a virtual assistant and I suggest others to hire a virtual assistant before they hire like a full-time employee one because of the savings um two like if i hire someone part-time in the u.s i'm going to pay at least you know eight to you know eight to ten dollars an hour depending on where you are um and i'm only going to get like 20 hours a week but it's like i can get someone for 40 hours a week and you know obviously there's you know people that don't believe in like you know you should hire domestic and you're hurting the economy and things like that but the big corporations do it man that's how big corporations kill it the way that they do they leverage um outsource employees and like it it, kind of sucks man because like for the black community when it comes to entrepreneurship like 90 i think it's like 90 percent of um minority owned businesses don't have employees you know it's like that's crazy too it's, it's bananas man it's like it really comes down to the fact that like we don't get the right systems built in our business and like we're grinding and working so hard and we can't really go too far ahead because we're not like investing in a business enough to hire people so that we can do what we're supposed to do as a CEO um, versus trying to do everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that that yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, that's that's really cool that you touched on that point. Um, mm-hmm. and and because that's something I recently read that a lot of black entrepreneurs. What's going on, guys? I just want to come up here real quick and say thank you to those that have been continuing to listen to the Black Wolf Media Podcast. I really appreciate you. You have no idea, but I do need your help. If you guys find value in the content that is being produced, I need you to share this with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and your coworkers. It, it doesn't matter. Also, on whatever platform you guys are listening to, leave comments and give me a star rating. Let me know what you dislike. Let me know what you did like. And also, you can you guys can even suggest what you guys want me to talk about on some of my future episodes. Again, guys, like I said, I want to add more value, but I do need your help to grow this show. Now, let's get back into this episode. Peace. Sorry about that, man. I'm not sure what happened. Man, I got a phone call. I got my phone. Do not disturb. I got a phone call, and it seemed like it kicked you out. It was weird. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's all good. It happened, man. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that, man. All good, bro. Um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, we, we was talking about um black employ black entrepreneurs not having employees, like 90%. And <laughs> what I was saying was, man, that is crazy because I see that now. Like I I you know, I see a lot of black entrepreneurs, they're doing it by themselves. Yeah. And I, I mean I applaud that definitely, but at some point I think people gotta consider that hey, you might need some help, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. And, and then, um, a, another question I wanted to ask you, man, I was curious, like, have you <laughs> ever had to let go any virtual assistants? And then like, how do you know when <laughs> you have a good virtual assistant that can really get the work done? Man, that's like, I laugh, man, because like, and it, it, it sounds bad to laugh, but dude, we like have to let go of virtual assistants all the time, man. Like, yeah. Some of them lie a lot. You know, it's just like anybody, man. Like, once you get, like, a certain amount of employees, like, you're going to run across bad apples, you know? Yeah. And so we we won't, like, let go of people for, like, just bad skills. Um, it's just, like, bad will, you know? Like, for an example, man, like, I always talk about this, but I have a guy on my team. This, this is my guy, man. He's, like, he's a friend, dude. Like, he's legit, like, a, a friend of mine. Um, yeah. And, like, he came in, this dude was, he was bad, you know? It was, like, he couldn't <laughs> do things right. Like, you know, he he just kept messing up, but he never gave up, you know? Yeah. So I just would sit down with him, man, for, like, an hour a day and just go over stuff, teach him stuff, keep him motivated because he felt super discouraged. And, like, he's, like, the top performer on my team now, like, you know, he he literally saves me so much time. Like, he's probably, you know, honestly, man, he does, he's more productive than if I was to hire someone here in the U.S., as yeah. bad as that sounds. And so, like, I say all I have to say, man, is, like, we could train them and, and do everything, but, like, we've had people, you know, you know, steal time from the company and just, like, go to sleep. We have people work multiple jobs while they're supposed to be working with a client. Um bad communication and like things like that man so it's a small ratio though don't get me wrong like we probably only like let go of maybe like six virtual assistants you know out of you know where we are now so it's not a bad ratio but we had to let some go and 
you know, and, and we had a lot quit, man. Like like I said, with any with any job, you know, people quit, people leave, they move on to different things. So it's just like you know, just like here, man. Hiring, like dealing with people, rather they're yeah. American, no matter where they are. Um, you know, we always have like certain problems with people, and and sometimes it's just alignment, man. Some people just aren't aligned to our culture and what we do. Um, but yeah, man, and, and so. I guess to, to follow up, man, how do you know you have a good virtual assistant? Um, I think I kind of answered that with, with my guy, man. He's he's super – his name is Mike, by the way. I'm sure – that I know that's not his real name. They, they always pick, like, American. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, but, man, it's just willpower, man. Just, like, like I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in, like, overworking people. But, you know, if I give you a task and it's, like, you're really struggling with it and then you write me, like, three hours after, like, hey, I'm watching YouTube, like – can you give me an opinion about this? And I'm like, wow, like this dude's getting after it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what's up. It's, it's just willpower, man. You, you got to have people who just want it, dude. Just people who are hungry, bro. And and if you get that, rather they're, you know, Filipino, American, whatever. Like if you got someone that got that hustling them, man, it's like you're going to win. And, and that's what yeah. you need, man. We need teams of, of people who are just hungry and really want more, not just for the company, but for themselves, you know? Yeah. Man, I, I definitely agree, man. I think it's awesome that you actually take the time to see that, okay, this dude wants to learn, so I'm going to work with him. Because mm-hmm. one thing, man, when you're working in, like, when you work odd jobs, like, you know, you work – I used to work at Lowe's. Um, I used to work <laughs> third shift overnight. Oh, man, you was and, grinding. Yeah, man, I, I was grinding, bro. And um, one thing that, you know, when you work in retail corporate companies, man, they're always like, if it's something that you're getting wrong – they're going to get on you and they're going to say so-and-so, you know, the higher up is complaining you need to get this right. Mm-hmm. And they really not trying to work with you. They really not trying to give you that time. That's like, that's how the culture right. is in retail. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I definitely apologize, you, man, for taking the time to actually work with people, man. I appreciate um, that. I yeah. Yeah. That. No problem. And so um, I want to talk about your, your business consulting business, man. Like talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, tell us like, what's that all about? Yeah, man. So like it, it all goes back to one thing, man, it, it's built on the foundation of as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, like your responsibility is to work on the business, not in the business, you know. And so it's really important to like figure out where you're spending your time. If you are spending a lot of time doing very tedious, low value activity that can be performed by someone for a much lower cost, um, then you're really leaving a lot of money on the table. So yeah. leveraging my corporate experience and process documentation and things like that, um, I help essentially implement systems for business owners. So like, and it's so funny, man, with the journey, because where we first started, you know, we were helping people who like didn't have an invoicing system or, you know, these very kind of basic things that are needed for a business. Um, we were helping people do that. We were helping them document processes so that way they can hire people and hand off work and, you know, free up their time as a business owner. Um, you know, we, our goal was to free up people's time so that that way they had a business and they were a CEO and not just someone who was self-employed, you know, working 50, 60 hours a week, if not more. Um, so that's where we started, man. And like now we're slowly transitioning just to, you know, where we can provide the most value, man. We're slowly transitioning to like a digital agency 
where we essentially um, leverage automation and like um, Facebook ads, maybe even like leveraging the virtual assistants as well yeah. um, to do like outbound messaging and things like that. And so now we just help people get clients, man. We just help people grow. Um, yeah, man, because it's like we were offering too much. And I think that's something that we struggle with as entrepreneurs. It's like when we come out the gate, we try to do everything and we try to serve everybody. Definitely, definitely. And, yeah. And, and that's OK at first. You know, like a lot of people will try to smash you. But like we, we're, we're figuring it out. We got to figure out what our niche is, what we're good at doing, um, where we provide the most value. So it's, it's completely OK to go through that phase. It's just not OK to stay in that phase. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, man, we're slowly transitioning to this digital agency focused on um, B2B, you know, focused on specifically B2B service providers. And, and things have been killing, man. We're, we're on pace to probably hit our biggest month. And, you know, I, I'm also feeling like my time is freeing up, too. Like, I feel like I was definitely going through some stressful periods, like just dealing with bad clients. And just like trying to figure it out, man. So that's what we do now. And we're definitely about to hit like another level probably over the next few months. Like, yeah, you know, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Speaking of bad clients, man, I'm curious, like, how do you know when you have a bad client and then when you do and that makes you like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure having a bad client can be a stressful situation. Oh, man, How do you kind of like <laughs> fire that client or just like get rid of them? How does that work? Man, it's like, it's tough, man, because you can't, like, you can't really fire them, you know? It's like, and it's funny, man, because even if you can have a bad experience with a client, sometimes in their eyes, they think it's the greatest thing ever. You know, they think, yeah. like, this is the most perfect relationship. And it's like, no, it's, it's bad. And you try to fire them, and they won't even let you. You're like, hey, I want to give you a refund. I'm not giving you the service you provide. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 it's okay. Like, let's keep going. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, man, you know, you got a bad client. One is like when, when it's time to pay, man, when they, when they devalue, you know, what you're offering, you know, that is so big. And I think everyone always talks about price, price, price. And, you know, like it, it's kind of true, you know, like, especially when you are providing a service that, actually provides a ton more value than the price that you're charging, especially when it comes to high ticket, because we do high ticket pricing, you know, for what we do is it's extensive. It requires us to get hands on. So it has to be high ticket. Yeah. Um, so one is like price, man. Like if someone is struggling, like some of my worst clients were like people that tried to like break the program up and say, I only want this piece. Can I decrease the price for that? And me being like new and just wanting to grow the business. I'm like, sure. And then they ended up being like the biggest headaches. You know, they took up most of my time. Um, so you can kind of sense like a bad client, man, when you drop your price, especially if you have a, a proven solution. It's different if you're new and you're trying to figure things out. But if you have a proven solution that actually provides value and people are like complaining about the price and things like that. That's the first sign. That's, that's the yeah. first sign. Um, the next sign, man, is like people that just don't do the work. Like you give a client some work and they don't do it and it prevents you from doing a job. And then you have to extend the time that you're working with that client as a result of them not kind of doing what they signed up to do. And so yeah. that can be heavily frustrating, especially as a new entrepreneur who's trying to grow their business because you're kind of stuck and can't really move on to another client and, and gain some capacity to take on new clients. Um, 
so I want to say that's huge, man. And it's sometimes too, like sometimes clients are way too busy, like, and it's not necessarily like their fault completely. Cause you kind of knew that when you were taking them on, but like something I like to do in my program, man, is I ask, like, do you have the time to commit to at least one hour a day to, to, to be in this program? You know, like, even though it's a do it for you solution, do you have time for us to like, have a like just a touch base to talk about things or if we request information do you have time so that's it's really important man to have a vetting process and like it's, it's so important to just not take anybody man like we got to start telling people no if they're not a good fit for our program because it, all it does is create a bigger headache at the end of the day and, and i can really say that from from personal experience yeah yeah, man. Um, so it's kind of like you guys qualify clients for your company. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like, um, it's not necessarily like them qualifying you, um, right. which, which I think is pretty cool. Cause you know, it's like a different dynamic. Most people, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be like, are you qualified to work with me? Um, right. Even though you guys are throwing out the high ticket price is not just like anybody can work with us, which I think is pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. my next question, man, is like when you guys got that first high ticket client, man, what was it like throwing out that price? You know, whatever it may be. And I'm even curious to know, like, what was your first high ticket price? <laughs> man, that's such a good question, bro. Such a good question, man. Like, it's so funny when I first started, I probably changed my program like 20 times, like no yeah. five. Um, and it started off as just coaching and just kind of telling people what to do, man. It was, I, I did it for like a thousand bucks. Like, and this was like, in like July of last year, you know? So it was like a year ago. Yeah. Um, and that's funny, man. It's been a year since I've been kind of going at it with this, this entrepreneurship thing. Um, but yeah, man, it was a thousand bucks and it was like horrible experiences simply because, like it was new business owners. They didn't necessarily have all the stuff for it. Right. So like it's a thousand bucks, man. And then I'll tell you what, when the game changed and this is so true. I, I know a lot of people have probably heard this before, but like you can't really charge something that you haven't paid before. So, mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Cause you don't know what that experience is like. You don't know yeah. what it's like to charge four or five. Like you don't know what a four or $5,000 program feels like. So how can you charge that? Right. So I want to say the first time I did high ticket, man, was like I, I paid a lot of money for a program, dude. Like I paid twelve grand um, for a program, and yeah. just like I don't know what I'm just like I, I couldn't even believe I paid for it. To be honest with you, yeah. like, but I just knew it worked. Like these dudes were so good on the phone. I'm like these dudes know what they're doing. So when I did that, man, I, I had you know I started like trying to charge anywhere from like four to five grand, which is still like extremely low. Yeah. Um, compared to like where we are now. And so we're charging this, this, I remember man, four grand, like I said it and like something that's really important in high ticket sales is like, man, when you give that, when you give that, that price out, like they teach you to just shut up. Like, so it's like you say what the price is, like you, you do your pitch, everything you say price at the end and you say, this is my price and you got to be quiet. And so, my first experience doing that, man, like the person was just like, okay, like how do I start? You oh man. I mean? <laughs> it was easy, man. It was like, it was nuts, but yeah. it was like the good feeling wasn't necessarily about the money. It was like, wow, man, like somebody believed me enough to, 
to trust me to pay me this much money. Yeah. Um, and it was just a big confidence booster, man. It, it kind of showed me like what my capabilities were. Um, but then even then, bro, I still struggle. And it's funny, man, my business, my, my coach that I have in the program, like he told me, he's like, look, man, like, cause sometimes I'll struggle. Like it, it would be time to like give the price. Cause my program is much higher now, man. It's like, it's double that. Yeah. And so he's like, dude, he's like, you're such a nice guy. Like, and it's, I get it. He's like, I used to be the same way. He's like, so you think that like you're doing them a favor. He's like, but you're actually like not doing them a favor by charging them a lower price because one, they're not going to be as committed. So you can't do your work. And then he's like, two, he's like, you're not going to go all in on a process because you know that you should have been paid more for it. So you're not, you're going to naturally not give them the experience that they deserve. Yeah. You know, and so it's a huge transition when you get into high ticket sales, man. But once you like figure it out and you really feel like, you know, it's, it's your project, your pro. Once you realize that, like, what you do is worth like double what you're charging, like the confidence kind of skyrockets. And so when, when I say worth, I, I guess it's not necessarily worth; it's value. It's like yeah. if I charge you eight to ten thousand dollars, and it makes you twenty to thirty thousand dollars extra per month for the rest of your life. It's like, did did I not charge you enough? You know, <laughs> mm, right, right, right. But it's like it's okay, you know, because I was listening to this guy. Um, I gotta get his name, man. It's called, I think it's called Million Dollar Offers, man. Like this book is like insane, and um, he breaks down how, like, as a high in high ticket, you know, spaces, it's important for one, you want to provide a product that provides way more value than it's worth because people buy. People buy when they feel like they're getting a really good deal on something. You yeah. know what I mean? So like if someone buys something, they're not going to buy something that they believe is worth like much less. It's just like they're not going to do it. But if they feel like they're getting a deal and they're like ripping you off, they're all in on it. So he said one side is to provide a ton of like more value than what your program is worth. But then he said on the other side, also provide a product or service where your fulfillment is significantly cheaper than it is to provide that. So he said, he's like making a win-win on both sides. And that way, both people are walking out with a really good deal because one, you're walking out with shoot 80% profit margin and, yeah. and they're walking away, you know, probably getting like a deal for like 50% for, you know, what the value is on it. So that's the biggest thing, man, with high ticket is like really finding that middle ground and, and kind of satisfying, you know, those two sides of the equation. Yeah. Now I got a question, man. Like when it comes to value, what are some ways that people like, you know, whatever industry they may be in, mm -hmm. what are some ways that people can provide more value to their customers or clients? Man, it's, it comes down to one thing, man. It comes down to problems. Like you, you got to solve problems as a business owner. And I think we always forget this, especially like newer entrepreneurs, or even when you become an entrepreneur and you're just kind of getting a groove of things. The biggest thing, man, is solving a problem. Yeah. So I think like it, it gets hard when it's not like a business type of offer. Like, let's say like you're a coach. Um, let's say you're a relationship coach and you're trying to charge high ticket for that. And some people might not believe it, but it's like, 
the way you got to say it, man, when you look at this, the problem, it's like some people think like, oh, the problem is you got to get down to the root, like the real problem. So some people will say, oh, the problem is like, I can't find, I can't, I can't get in a relationship. And they think that's the problem. But it's like, you got to dig deeper. You got to say, hey, yeah. as a result of you not being able to find a good partner, like you're depressed now. So your productivity is shot down or you know, like you're comparing yourself to friends who are happily and married. And now like you feel like you feel bad all the time. And just even from a financial aspect, right? Like a two parent household or, or two people that live together, like the, like it's much more affordable to live with someone. So like you got to leverage all of those things when you're trying to like, you know, make your pitch. And, and, and as far as like really becoming really good at solving the problem, it's kind of two big focus areas that you got to focus on actually three. Um, and, and, and this is kind of some real good game right here, man. It's like, you got to look at quality and you got to look at speed. And then the last piece is price, right? So like typically if you have a high quality product and it takes you a long time to fulfill it, you can probably charge it a decent price. You know, yeah. you can probably charge middle market price. Um, if you have a decent product, like the quality is okay, but you deliver it extremely fast, then you can charge a pretty good price, you know? Um, but if you can get a high quality result, which means that you've completely solved the problem better than most people in the industry. And then if you can complete that faster, because people like speed, people like as human beings, we crave instant gratification. Yeah. So if we can deliver something that people can immediately see results on, that's very high quality, then we can charge a premium price. And so it's so important to focus on quality and speed when it comes to delivering our product and services. And that's how we're able to stand out against competition and get away with kind of charging more because we are delivering that extra value and quality and speed. Mm, okay. Okay. I got you. Got you. Books, man. I read a lot of books that that break a lot of this stuff down, man. It's uh, uh, someone said it to me, man. Like it said, like anything that we want to know, like we always think that we need to go buy a course. We need, we think that we need to go, um, um, like watch YouTube or whatever. But dude, it all starts off in books. Like every instruction for anything we want to do, it's in a book. It's just like no one likes reading them. Yeah. Man, matter of fact, man, you know, speaking of books, man, like, what would you say has been the best book that you have read? Oh, man. The best book. So, one, I, I got to I gotta talk about my own book, man. I, I wrote my own book last year. Okay. <laughs> so, so, that was dope, man. Like, reading that book was, was amazing because when I wrote my book, it was like, it made you reflect so much on life that it's like you sat back and realized what you did really well what you did really bad. And it's like, you capture all these lessons and, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh man, you write books for other people. But man, honestly, like writing a book for yourself is, is just as powerful um, for that reason, man. But, you know, aside from that, I will say that the next best book, man, will probably be four hour work week. That that's, that's such a powerful book because it teaches you how to like stop trading like time for money. And it, it kind of teaches you why you should be in entrepreneurship. You shouldn't be in entrepreneurship to grind out 80 hours a week. You want to build a business that runs on like that runs on autopilot that runs without your presence. 
So four hour work week was good, man. And then obviously the classic, man, Think and Grow Rich is a big one, as well as Rich Dad and Poor Dad. I feel like everyone should read those two books. Like those books, that that is something that like no one should like not read that book, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm sure you read, man, I'm sure you read one of those, man. I know you I know um, you probably read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, definitely. I definitely read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then um, I'm going to throw out another book I think people should read. It's called Atomic Habits. Mm. Um, that's a really good book because it talks about, you know, like putting 1% towards a goal that you have every day will build up to like a big, huge result. You know what I'm saying? So that's a solid book that I think people should definitely check out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That is one that I definitely got to read, man. Atomic Habits is is huge. Um, any it's a few books out there about habits that are extremely good to read. Um, that really makes you adjust your your whole mindset about even what a habit is and how you should do things in your life, man. That that, that would be a good one. Definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, man. Um, my last question to you would be, mm-hmm. you know, where do you see yourself in the next, you know, five years? To next five years, it's crazy to even think about it, man, because. Like the goals keep resetting because like you, you kind of set a goal and, and you crush it. And it's like, all right, where do I go next? And so in the next five years, man, I really want to expand this digital agency, man. I definitely want to be one of the top like black owned like digital agencies known out there, you know, like really known for creating impact and allowing other people to be able to push their brand and pretty much push their impact as much as possible. So I really want to be able to scale this digital agency to hit, man. Like, dude, like I know it sounds crazy, man, but I definitely want to hit like multi, you know, seven figure months. You know, that that's really my goal is to um, build a digital agency that can get to that capacity. And, and it's, it's not that hard, man. It's yeah. not that hard. It's just, you got to just stick to it. You got to have a really strong system. Like everything comes down to systems, man. Like, the um the program that I'm in now, um, it's like this guy is making seven mil a month. And he's Ooh. like he's very transparent about it, like this is how we did it, and this is how we're gonna get the ten million dollars a month. And so oh, man. you know, it, it's nuts, man, to, to think about it. And you know, like with digital agencies or any kind of service-based business, dude, your margins are extremely yeah. high compared to like other businesses. So it's like it's like, man, it's it's insane. But you know, aside from just like the revenue component of it, man, it's just, it's really the impact, man. Like I always say like the best way to make money is by helping other people make money. You know, that's, yeah, that's the best way to do it, man. So I want to get to a point where we're really helping small businesses reach peaks that they could never imagine because we're leveraging our skill sets, our tools, our resources to help them elevate their brand and get their name out there a little bit more so people can know about them and they can provide a a larger impact. So, so that's the goal, man. It's all about impact, dude. Like I definitely got to get back on. I definitely want to be at a point where I'm speaking at schools. Like I want to speak to like three or four schools a month, man. Just like, you know, where I came from and just like, you know, the impact that it would have had to have somebody that looks like me come in and kind of show me that there's a better way. 
could could have been so helpful and it's, it's just a lot of it's a lot of kids out there man that that need us they need yeah. these conversations they need Definitely. to be good role models man so that's the next goal man is really getting those schools and just show those kids man like your future is bright and, and, and what you can do out there is, is so powerful once you tap into your potential man that's solid man um we are definitely gonna need to do a a, a round two man Absolutely, man. I'm always down, man. Great. Look, man, I'm always down for some great conversation that, that um, you know, especially stuff that people can t- tune into where, where I can yeah. provide as much value as possible. Definitely, definitely, man. I, I, I appreciate you for giving me this opportunity, bro. I, man, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I love what you're doing. I, I love what you're building, bro. And I know that, you know, this this is a, a million-dollar podcast on the way itself, man. For so. Sure. So I'm just Speaking. I'm just happy I got in early, man. I'm happy I got in before the before before you get to that that million dollar mark, you know. <laughs> hey, facts, man. Hey, we we going there, man. Hey, I, I, I appreciate you for you know what I'm saying definitely coming up here, dropping value, man. You drop hella gems, man, um, and, and I think it's awesome what you're doing, man. Definitely, man. All love, man. All love. Anything I can do, man. Like. For you, your audience, or anybody that you know, man, just let me know. And I'm always ears, man. I'm all ears for it. For sure, man. For sure, man. Hey, man, do me a favor. Um, You know, close us out for the ending of the episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, shout out to the Black Wealth Podcast. Um, super dope. Super dope podcast. That's killing it, y'all. I want to say, like, the, the final thing, man, when we think about, you know, next steps. Like, what are the takeaways to do? Um, after this, I want to say is like, we got to stop chasing money. You know, we got to chase, we got to stop chasing money. We got to chase impact because what I realized, and this is like real life, man, this is stuff that's happening. It's like when I hone in and focus on dollars, my dollars decrease, man, because I lose focus of, of where it all began. So my advice is the more that we push, we focus on like pushing impact and helping people and actually serving people in a genuine way the more that the dollars will naturally come. So I want to say that I want to say, become naturally aligned to anything that you do, because if you're not naturally aligned to it, once you get it, you're going to lose it. So yeah. that's, that's always important, but, but that's it, man. That's, that's the words I got. And I'm looking forward to where this thing goes in the next few months. I'm definitely tuning in and, and I love what you're doing, bro. I appreciate it, man. There you guys have it. That was Adrian McGee, business consultant, uh, entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur and and guys that's the end of the episode i hope y'all got some value for sure he definitely dropped some and that's, that's the end we gone peace peace All right, y'all, that's the end of the episode. If you don't mind, do me a little favor and share this with a friend, a family member, neighbor, or coworker if you got some value from this. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune into the next episode. Peace.